Robo Roach with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to the 156th episode of the Robots Podcast. My name is Jana and today we will learn why an educational cyborg cockroach could make a valuable contribution to advancing the field of neuroscience. But first, as always, let's take a look at the latest news and developments with Christine. Thank you, Jana. The next stage for the robot community in general is manipulation, said Dr. Paolo Perjanian, the CTO of iRobot, in an interview with Joanne Pransky of Industrial Robot. The latest paper in Autonomous Robots, Sparse Pose Manifolds, proposes a way to face the challenge of this next stage. An efficient method for manipulation of randomly placed objects called Sparse Pose Manifolds, or SPM. While other approaches for robot grasping build high-dimensional input vectors, thus increasing the complexity of the system, the SPM method establishes highly distinguishable manifolds of low dimensionality, resulting in a less computationally intensive algorithm. At 94, Grandma Leah could not live alone anymore, but now, with the EU-funded Draft Plus, she has the option of keeping her independence and her lifestyle in her own house. The system helps seniors in two ways. First, with their daily activities, and second, with their connections with family, friends, and healthcare professionals. The Draft Plus's sensors are designed to detect activities like cooking, sleeping, or watching television. At the same time, it keeps an eye on the person's health by measuring blood pressure or sugar levels, for example. They also allow the person's caregivers to monitor the well-being remotely and to check for accidents at home such as falls. Leah is one of six seniors in Europe currently using the Draft Plus system. The experiment with her homes, along with additional nine homes by the end of 2014, will provide feedback to be included in the system's design. For more information on robotic manipulators and elderly care systems, visit robohub.org. Backyard Brains is an initiative that aims to get everyone interested and contributing to neuroscience. The US-based company provides affordable neuroscience experiment kits for all ages and abilities and has just successfully completed a Kickstarter campaign to help fund the development of the release version of a cyborg cockroach, the Roboroach. Bill Reith is a bioengineer working at Backyard Brains. He spoke to our interviewer Ron about RoboRoach, the first commercial cyborg product, and where it will lead. First of all, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, and then would you introduce yourself to the listeners? My name is Bill Reith, and I'm the oh, I'm a engineer, maker, educator for Backyard Brains, and I've been helping. Specifically, on um, developing the RoboRoach product. Um, since our recent Kickstarter, we've been doing some R&D to really make that, um, that into a whole new experiment. All right. 
So firstly, Bill, if I can ask you what Backyard Brains does. So Backyard Brains' main goal here is to uh, bring neuroscience to a level where, um, you know, elementary school or high school, early college can actually understand their nervous system firsthand instead of just um, waiting until late, you know, late college or even grad school to be able to, uh, you know, actually see and get, you know, firsthand experience, hands-on experience with uh, what the nervous system looks like, uh, or at least neurons and how their electrical uh, signals, uh, how, how they use electrical signals to communicate. So our primary device is the, um, or our first device was um, our two co-founders, Tim Marzullo and Greg Gage, um, were working in the neural engineering lab at U of M, University of Michigan. And they were doing uh, outreach uh, as well. So they were going out to schools and, you know, giving talks and, and lectures to, to young students about um, neuroscience. And they couldn't really bring the lab to the school to show them how it works. Um, and they couldn't really take all the students to the lab. So they decided... Um, they challenged themselves to build a $100, what they call a spiker box. So a small device that could be used on an, an inexpensive uh, bug or invertebrate of some sort um, that could demonstrate <coughs> the, uh, the electrical activity of, of the nervous system. So they set out to do that, and they created a spiker box um, for about 100 bucks. And since then, they've um, continued to kind of do rapid development and, and push out all sorts of different types of tools that allow people to understand, you know, how how our bodies are electrically communicating to, uh, you know, send signals and give us our senses and our, our motor control as well. So we've got the Spiker Box. There's also a, a version. This, the original Spiker Box works really well with cockroach legs and earthworms and crickets. Um, and then lots of folks are this on myself, but since we're our electrodes for the spiker box are tiny pins, um, we wouldn't want people sticking those in their arm or anything like that. So we created an EMG spiker box, which is electromyography. So with that, you can put these small, um, they're just like little sticker electrodes that stick onto your arm or you can do it on your face and you can actually observe the electrical signals that occurred during a muscle contraction. So you can see um, that activity and also hear it through an iPad, or iPhone, or on your computer by connecting to the EMG spiker box. And then, of course, you've probably heard of the Robo Roach. Yes, I have, Bill. What is the purpose of the Robo Roach, and how does it work? So, so the Robo Roach originally um, kind of came out of an idea from uh, some, some folks to make, instead of tiny robotics, to go into disaster zones and, and help with recovery of, of people that could be under there or possibly into um, you know, dangerous areas to test if there's you know, chemical leaks or, or whatnot. Um, 
the problem with tiny robotics is is battery power and, and making them small enough to uh, you know get into small places. Their batteries die, and if they're any bigger to carry the big batteries, um, then they're too big. So they're thinking that possibly um, they could use small insects with some cybernetic control. So um, this type of cyborg has been done before. We're not the first ones to make a rubber roach. Um, we're just the first ones that are going that are. Um, making it commercially available to people to educate themselves and um, for young neuroscience students to learn about the nervous system uh, and microstimulation, neuromicrostimulation um, through this, uh, this device. So a little bit about the Roboroach um, for the folks that don't, don't know about it yet or don't understand what we're talking about. Uh, it's a small um, PCB, so printed, printed circuit board, that is about the size of a cockroach. Uh, the cockroaches we like to use out here are called Blabberus discoidalis, or just discoids, and they're from South America. But they're readily available here in the United States as a um, feed animal for reptiles. Um, so we don't like to feed them to any uh, larger animals. We just do science on them. And um, they're handy here. For science, because they're large enough to carry a small uh, electronic backpack, and they also can't fly, they can't really climb glass walls or anything like that, so they're, they don't bite. Um, they're really actually pretty nice little little bugs, so they're pretty easy to work with. Um, so anyway, the Roboroach, basically the way it works is micro-stimulation. So these cockroaches have long antennas that come off the front of their head and kind of feel the world around them. And if the, one of these antennas touches something, it's sensory signal going down the antenna and then into the body is an electrical one. And we call them spikes or more technically an action potential will go down the neurons of that antenna and in, into the ganglia and send out kind of a reactionary signal to uh, to move accordingly. So if that right antenna touches a wall, it's going to know something's there and it's probably going to turn a little bit to the left so it doesn't run into it. So what we did was we implanted small electrodes and basically electrodes are something that can interface with a biotic tissue, um, interface a electrical, a abiotic electrical component to a biotic tissue. So basically um, it's a Three thousandths of an inch silver wire that can be implanted into the tip of the electrode, in, tip of the antenna, excuse me, and actually send a signal that could innervate the neurons there. So we implanted a few of these electrodes and kind of listened to what the signals were. Um, we also did our research and looked up kind of what microstimulation techniques were being used already because it's it's pretty interesting. Um, what we can get out of uh, looking at a, a cockroaches' neurons. Because on the very small scale here, uh, the neurons of a cockroach are very similar in their function to the neurons of humans. But it's very important to realize that the nervous system of a cockroach is very different than the nervous system of a human. They have um, about 100, what's, no, I'm sorry, 1 million neurons um, where we have a hundred billion. 
So if you took theirs and times it by 100 and then times it by another 1,000, then you're talking about where we at. So um, there's a lot more complexity in the human brain. Um, so we just kind of want to make that clear before uh, people start to jump, jump conclusions here. But anyway, back to the cockroach. Um, we, we found that a 55 hertz, um, a small, small current signal could actually stimulate the, uh, the neurons or innervate the neurons in the antenna and get the same reaction as if they were actually touching an object with that antenna. So once we dialed that in a little bit, we were able to, um, it started as a U of M, uh, U of M student group project. And they made the uh, RoboRoach Beta. So with that, they're actually, it was a total DIY project. They're taking a small toy called a hex bug um, and using it because it had an infrared remote control. So took the infrared, infrared remote control and the small receiver and the circuit board that came along with that and pulled it right out of that plastic toy and then attached the receiver to a small circuit board that was custom made by Backyard Brains. Um, to interface, basically condition the signal that could send into the cockroach antenna. So then the surgery is pretty simple, takes about a half hour. Um, you can implant these small silver wires into each antenna, the right and the left, and then one into the thorax as a ground or kind of a, a return avenue for the signal. And kind of got to add a little bit of glue to tuck all the cables back so they don't get them caught on anything and, and pulled out. And then you can plug in the small little printed circuit board, or we call it the Roboroach backpack. And it sits right on their back. It slows them down just a little bit, but doesn't really impede them. The original beta one was a little bit heavier, um, but our new version is down to, I think, three and a half grams with battery and all, which is pretty impressive. The smallest uh, Roboroach circuit that we've ever created. And it's all due to uh, our, our backers at the Kickstarter. Um, thanks for helping us out, everybody, That if they're listening. Um, so anyway, and then once you've got that going, you can send a signal from the remote with the beta version. It was a infrared, and we put out a 55 hertz signal each time, and you can stimulate antenna's uh, neurons. So when you do this, you'll see if you stimulate the right side, the cockroach will turn to the left, and if you stimulate the left, the cockroach will turn to the right. Granted that you have to do the surgery proper and take care of um, the animal all along um, to make sure that that was done, done right. So it demonstrates here that we can actually microstimulate neurons with tiny electrical signals from actually abiotic circuits. So this is a uh, here's the, the world's first commercially available cyborg. Pretty neat. That sounds like a really cool toy, but I believe it's been improved with a Bluetooth module. Yes, so that is right now available for your one of our backers on the Kickstarter um, that donated the the right amount. Um, I forget what level it was that we called it, but um, that those are going to be coming out. So that Kickstarter helped bring in. I think it was around. $12,000, our goal was 10000 so we're really happy to meet that because we're able then to uh, use that for research and development to make our, our Bluetooth model here. So it's a much lighter printed circuit board. We got rid of the uh, 
the hacking of the, the hex bug because I was kind of providing a lot of waste. We had this kind of exoskeleton hex bug, just kind of a shell of a toy sitting around. We didn't know what to do with them. We have a whole bunch, so if anybody does want them, uh, we probably could send those over. Um, but the new one here is going to have a Bluetooth chip on it, as you were talking, Ron. And uh, that's going to allow you to, instead of needing a small remote, you can just use your smartphone in your pocket. And these days, most people have one of those. Um, so with the smartphone, too, we can get a whole lot of new features onto the, the RoboRoach. And that's that's one of the cool things about this experiment and this product, is that you can actually control the stimulation settings of the electrical uh, stimulation going in. So we can adjust the frequency over a small range, um, the duration of the sti uh, stimulation signal, also the pulse width of the stimulation signal. And this summer, one of our uh, projects that we added with that money from the, the Kickstarter was uh, the gain or the volume of the signal. And that one is actually really neat because it's giving us some um, much more interesting kind of dialed in control where if you're just sending one uh, level of current, they would only turn so much. But now we're seeing that you know if we send 75% gain, they might do, say, a 180. And then if you send 50% gain, they turn 45 degrees. And then if you did 25% gain, they turn about 10 degrees. So you can actually dial in how much... Um, you want them to move around, which is pretty neat. Uh, and, it, and it helps show, too, with having these features for, for people to experiment with um, what type of signal uh, they can experiment themselves work best to actually stimulate neurons. And, I mean, this type of discovery could, you know, really give some insight for folks that don't know much about the uh, neuromicrostimulation. Um, neuro um, and even potentially uh, help give rise to you know new information that could even apply to human uh, microsimulation and uh, and the implants that that we already have here. So that's one thing I like to point out too is that um, people see the RoboRoach and sometimes they worry, oh no, is someone going to use that on me? And the truth is that micro neural microstimulation is already used on people and with amazing results. So have you heard of uh, cochlear implants? Yeah, so folks that are deaf um, and un untreatable in other ways can now actually receive a um, cochlear implant, which is an electrode implanted to the auditory co cortex in a specific area so that they can bypass that broken ear of theirs with uh, a microphone that will then amplify down into uh, the proper uh, neural signal and that person can hear again. So one of the, one of the coolest videos I've seen on YouTube in a while is this one of uh, a young girl. She's, she's 27. She's my age. It kind of rings um, even more for me, um, especially since, you know, I think we all take a lot of our senses for granted. Um, so she's been deaf her whole life and the video is uh, her at the, uh, nurse's office, um, having her, having her um, cochlear implant turned on for the first time. So for the first time in 27 years, she can hear. And it gives me goosebumps every time I even think about it because that would be just such, a, such an amazing experience to have one of your senses given back to you. So there's also some really neat ones of, of small babies with these. So 
it's already used on people and it's an incredible technology. And then also I'd like to point out another um, use is uh, prosthetics. So there's the robotics arms out there that have full feedback kind of control. So they're sensory experience and a from the brain motor control. It's really incredible. Um, and then on top of that, there's deep brain stimulation um, where they can help regulate parts of the brain that are, um, you know, that are irregular in Parkinson's disease. So all of these things are already happening out there in the world. Um, and we think that if we put out something like the Robroach, we can help it make people more aware of it and also more engaged in it. And not just neuroscience itself, but electronics and technology, engineering, mathematics, all of that come together. So That sounds really interesting, Bill. Are you taking it any further? Is there, say, a Windows version which could record the amount of stimulus to, say, turn right 30 degrees or 60 degrees and then uh, be able to direct the roach down a path for a given distance or duration uh, with GPS, etc.? What's next? Exactly. That's great, Ron. Yeah, that, that that's totally... Things like that, those types of ideas are what we want to start to you know, dream up next. And um, just to go back and answer one question I think I skipped over there was the beta version of the Roboroach has been available for over a year now. And we've sold a couple hundred, I think. I'm not sure the exact number. So that's already out there. There's already people out there using the Roboroach, the beta version, though. So the new um, Bluetooth Roboroach will be out soon. And... Um, we're not just going to stop there. We're definitely going to want to keep developing it. And um, one of the exciting parts of this is it's kind of, um, well, it is open source as well, something you mentioned. So we'll have our code and whatnot on GitHub. And uh, so that'll be available to anybody if they want to kind of pull it apart and, you know, set it up to do, you know, different things or maybe add features like you're saying a GPS. Um, so even the, the printed circuit board schematic would be on there if they wanted to customize their own RoboRoach. Um, and then we will be developing some other. And we've got a few uh, ideas up our sleeve as well. Um, so I guess you'll have to wait to see those come out as they do. But um, definitely providing the ones that we have now with the, the simulation settings of frequency, pulse width, duration, and gain, um, it's, an, it's, it's like a crowdsourced science experiment. So we're really looking forward to hearing back from everybody with their ideas of, you know, how, how can they use this? How do they want to use this? What's working for them too? So we can kind of compile all that information when we get back and, you know, find out if maybe one signal works really well every time, or, um, you know, maybe, you know, they think of a better way to implant the electrode and things like that. So it's really, you know, we're, we're giving this to everybody to, um, to learn and also uh, share. So we're, we're going to get a lot of good ideas out of it. And with the Bluetooth, too, um, you'll be able to connect from, uh, from iPhones and also Android. So we have iOS and Android apps will be out um, to connect with that. And then since it's open source, if you wanted to work you know, from your computer, if that you know, computer has Bluetooth, then you could create your own type of... Uh, app to communicate with that or you know maybe down the line that's something that back your brains would be putting out too so um, and we're
And one thing I, I'd like that you said is, uh, you know, creating paths and having kind of predetermined or maybe even um, homing targets. So you'd say, go here, and then it, it follows it and will direct it as, you know, as its location moves around to get it to a certain place. And that's definitely a, a future of the technology. Um, there's a university, um, or I'm sorry, a professor at, I think it's North Carolina, that is doing that with a connect um, so that they have visual feedback. And as the cockroach moves one way or the other, they can actually, you know, recognize that and stimulate it to make it walk a perfectly straight line or a predetermined zigzag, something like that. So, um, again, we're not the only ones, we're not the first people to come up with this type of idea. We're just the ones that are making it available for, um, you know, even even just a, a curious amateur neuroscientist or, or just a, even just a high school that is kind of like, hey, what, what is that thing to go ahead and uh, kind of pull the lid back and, and see what's going on with the nervous system and how it works and how we can interface with it. Great. So, Bill, not knowing a great deal about all of the types of sensory organs that the cockroach has available, have any of these been investigated to improve the control? Um, yeah, so there certainly is. Uh, there's other locations. That's one thing that we're going to investigate. Um, just like as I was saying before, we were simulating the antenna uh, left or right. There's also sensory... Um, hairs on the posterior end of the cockroach uh, called cersei and these will detect just really 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 fine uh, movements of air so that if say a foot was coming down from behind them they can dart away and that's why cockroaches are so good at getting away um, quickly is because they have these really um, high sensitivity mechanosensitive uh, little hairs on them that will detect movement so if we could stimulate those on the back, maybe we could get them to, you know, move forward um, quicker. And with the ones on the front as well, maybe we could get them to stop or reverse and things like that. So there's definitely um, room for experiment there. Um, and then a another thing that's, that's pretty neat too is that after a while, we've observed that the cockroaches will habituate. So same with people. If you get a uh, repetitive stimulus over and over again, uh, you can learn to ignore it. So they've adapted typically around if you gave them signals consistently uh, um, over a course of 20, 15 to 20 minutes, they'll usually adapt and start to ignore it or, or possibly just kind of get tired and decide not to move much. But uh, that, that's still um, part of the experiment. So one thing we added in um, – and this was a suggestion from actually a high school that was using the beta version, was they saw this adaptation. It was something that um, was kind of understood, but, you know, I was wondering why. And they said, well, if it's a, a repetitive stimulation, stimulation um, you know, 55 hertz and nothing changing there, um, maybe we could try something a little more random. And they actually uh, de-amplified some music to be able to have a, about the, the proper current to innervate with the antenna neurons. And when they did this, playing kind of a random signal from this music, um, they, were, they observed that the habituation took about five to ten minutes longer than it typically did. So they, they actually had kind of a novel discovery there and shared it with us. So we've added a random mode 
into our uh, app on, on the phone so that you can actually send in a, a random signal. It'll kind of determine it for you instead of having predetermined uh, simulation settings. So again, just more ways to kind of experiment with this. Um, and we've only done it mostly with the Blyburst Discoid Alice. So you could try maybe a uh, Madagascar hiss hissing cockroach or um, you know, if you found a big one in your backyard, you could test it out. Okay, that sounds very interesting. It's an aspect that I have not thought about before. The idea of a cockroach as a cyborg, or at least a robot platform that you can direct, sounds pretty cool. Okay, this will conclude our interview for today. I would like to thank you, Bill, for your time and hope to hear more about the RoboRoach in the future. Goodbye. Oh, thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure. Now, as RoboRoach does include the use of a live cockroach, some may raise questions of whether its commercialization and use in education is ethical. Our interviewer Ajang spoke to Professor Oliver Bendel from the School of Business in Basel, an information machine and animal ethics expert with a special interest in robot-animal interaction. We just had a very interesting interview with Bill Rith from Backyard Brains about RoboRoach. Joining us to discuss the ethics of the commercial cyborg products is Dr. Oliver Bendel. Welcome to Robots Podcast. Hello. Hi. Um, Hi. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience? Yes. I studied philosophy and information science in Constance, Germany, and did my doctorate in information systems in St. Gallen, Switzerland. Career milestones are my job as a team leader at the Fraunhofer Institute and as a head of a computer and media center at a university. Today, I'm professor at the School of Business, which is located in Basel. My research deals with e-learning, knowledge management, social media, information ethics, and machine ethics. And in this context of ethics, I focus on advanced driver assistance systems, autonomous cars, healthcare robots, and chatbots. Okay, great. Um, so your, your interest also includes animal ethics, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. That's correct. Um, so the goal of the RoboRoach project seems to be to educate children or the greater public about neuroscience or neurotechnology, uh, but many people consider RoboRoach to be controversial because it seems that RoboRoach is allowing more people to use insects maybe for the sake of education, um, people may say that there are other means of educating people that doesn't involve live insects. Uh, do you think this argument is valid or is there something inherently valuable in learning about nervous systems through live insects uh, in experiments um, other than, you know, other means of education? Well, in my opinion, we can educate kids and adults in many ways. When I was at school, I protested against experiments with uh, stick insects for teaching purposes. Of course, teaching is important, learning is important, but in my opinion, an animal is important too. I thought uh, 
other means and media would be better for explaining and showing details. But the teacher killed and dissected the animals in front of our eyes. To be brief, in my opinion, there's no reasonable cause for using animals in this way for teaching purposes. I think articles, illustrations, animations, and for example, models can explain structures, function, and effects much better. Of course, with a rubber roach, you can learn something about neuroscience, how cruel it can be. Hmm. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, but in, in many Uh, in many science labs, I believe there are actually uh, dissections uh, going on. But I don't know. Uh, do you think there's uh, something ethically controversial about making a product like like Roborach commercial as opposed to university labs um, and their equipment? <laughs> well, to make it commercial means to make it available for many people who will use uh, the cyborg as a toy or as a learning object. But whether it's commercial or whether it's a part of science, it's wrong to exploit animals in this way. Well, one could argue that this commercial project could promote an understanding of cyborgs, which in fact are a promising concept. Uh, through the combination of technology and living beings, we can compensate disabilities or accident consequences. That's right. But I think most people will not have sympathy for cyborgs of this kind. Um, but it, to, to me, you know, a, a cockroach is an insect and it's clearly different from animals that we, uh, we have very strong positive feeling towards, such as, you know, hamsters, cats or dogs. Um, so, you know, for insects, I, I think it might be different in my mind, but we can imagine, you know, um, by extension, If there are things like robo hamsters, or robo dogs, or robot cats, uh, where we could do surgeries to these animals um, using commercial educational kit, I, I think more people would be pushing back at such products, uh, more so than maybe the robo roach. Um, you know, surely animal rights groups would have to have something to say about this. Um, So in, in that animal rights perspective, where do you think we should draw the line when it comes to doing at-home experiments involving biological beings um, for educational purposes? Or um, does it depend on type of living beings in question? Because I, I think you're saying, you know, even in insects, you should avoid that as well. Or is, is that right? Yeah. Well, from the ethical point of view, it's not so important whether we have strong positive feelings to animals. I admit that I like cats more than spiders, for example. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we should take the emotions of people into account. But in philosophy, we should put forward rational arguments. An important one is uh, the reference to suffering. And Jeremy Bentham said, the question is not, can they reason, nor can they talk, but can they suffer? suffer? Perhaps some people don't like pigs, but pigs are very intelligent and they can suffer without any doubt. We should not abuse them, for example, for a robber pig, and we should not let them suffer in intensive livestock farming. Perhaps a cockroach is not able to suffer. Uh, this is the opinion of many people, but we could expand the statement of Bentham as follows. 
the question is not only can they suffer, but do they have interests and needs? Most people agree that it's important to keep animals in a near natural environment. A cockroach doesn't want to be controlled. It doesn't want to be restricted. This is against its essentials, interests and intentions. What if the consumers grow weary of the toys? Of course, they will abandon them or kill them directly. I would like to expand Bentham's statement again. The question is not only can they suffer, nor do they have interests and needs, but do they have a will to live? Of course, most of us would kill a cockroach if we would find one in our kitchen. But it's not fair to bring it into the kitchen and to kill it then. Mm. That's my opinion. I see, I see. Yeah. I see the difference, uh, yeah. Some, some Greek philosophers like Pythagoras and also Immanuel Kant uh, present a further argument uh, to quote Kant, who is cruel to animals becomes hard also in his dealings with man. This could be another argument. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, and so Jeremy Bentham that you mentioned is also uh, an ethicist yeah. and a philosopher, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and that's the end of this episode. If you have any thoughts about Robo Roach, its potential in education, or its ethical implications, feel free to leave a comment on this episode on our website at robotspodcast.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye! Robo Roach with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.